This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon, Craig, and a happy new year. Good afternoon. Happy new year. How are you doing? What is the cutoff date for wishing somebody a happy new year? It's the first Friday of the month. And uh, of course, that means non-farm payroll day, a bit of that in a moment. But uh, when do we stop wishing each other a happy new year? Is it next week? Yeah, I feel like it's the end of the first week is your real cutoff, to be quite honest. I mean, I'll obviously always politely say it back to someone if they say it to me first. But I think we're now kind of reaching the point when if you've not seen someone by now, then it's the pleasantries are gone, really. Exactly. Let's start with non-farm payroll, of course, the first Friday of the month. And employers added 223,000 jobs in December, pushing the jobless rate down to 3.5%. But Craig, it was the earnings numbers that were most interesting. It is. I mean, I hate to use a bit of a market cliche, but it really was a Goldilocks jobs report in the main. We had decent jobs growth, which I know people have been drawing a lot of attention to because that's a sign that the economy is still extremely hot and we're not seeing the Fed rate hikes have a desired effect. But we also saw unemployment come down. We saw participation actually rise by 0.2% as well. That's an important factor for the Federal Reserve. But as you say, It's the hourly earnings that people are really focused on, and that was really encouraging for two reasons. First, we had a 0.3% monthly increase, so that's 4.6% annually, so lower than the 5% expected. But also importantly, that horror jobs report last month that showed strong wage growth, which will have really unsettled the Fed, was revised lower. So we effectively revised out the shocking part of last month's jobs report, And at the same time, gave a really encouraging one this time around. What this all means is, yes, the Fed probably still has a little bit more to do. But that urgency with which they're acting is slowly diminishing. So come next month, uh, the 1st of February, we'll probably see them raise rates by maybe 50 basis points. But they could then maybe, given enough data, actually, that they could slow to either 25 or even stop tightening altogether if we get more data like this to back it up. So now we've got... A jobs report last month which was terrible which now is far less terrible we've got a jobs report this month which is very positive and we've got inflation data to kind of back this up as well there's still a little bit further to go but there is also a lag effect with monetary policy as well and now we're going into a year where the base effects are going to be more favorable because we're comparing with last year when we saw prices spike and we saw inflation rising very high we're seeing much lower energy prices as well so that's going to help the headline levels of inflation even if the fed's more concerned with underlying core inflation and things are starting to look much more promising now you compare this with what it could have been if today for example there had been no revision to last month and we just seen another 0.6% monthly wage increase reading then this would have been really difficult for the central bank. This would have really put them in a corner because they would have had little choice but to continue raising rates aggressively because they fear that their tightening is not having a desired impact because now the trend is no longer declining. In fact, we're actually seeing spikes, but not on a one-month basis. Now we're seeing a much nicer trend and that spike has been revised out. I think this is a really solid jobs report and I feel like this is massively positive from a market's perspective as well. And what are markets predicting now the optimum rate is going to be? So markets are currently pricing around 5%, but I do think we are going to see that lowered. And the reason is that we are seeing strong progress. And I think what markets are pricing now is this contrasting view. One is 
what people believe the progress that's being made is against what the Fed is saying. And the reason why that's interesting is because the Fed is being extremely hawkish. And I almost compare this to... We all have that friend who is perpetually late. So maybe you tell them that you're meeting at an earlier time so that they actually turn up on time as per where you want to meet. I feel like the Fed's kind of playing this game. They know their credibility has suffered over the course of the last 12 months, and they know that they are finding it harder and harder to position markets where they think they should be based on what they're saying. So what they're effectively doing is going a little bit further the other way in order to drag markets back to where they want them to roughly be positioned. We say that the central bank shouldn't be overly interested in what markets are doing, and if their communication is effective, then that should do the job. But at this moment in time, their communication is not effective. And from their perspective, it is important where markets are. Not the S&P 500 per se, but for their perspective, it's important where the 10-year yield is because it's that that creates this tightening of financial conditions which will enable inflation to come lower. So that I feel like they're almost going far one way in order to drag markets kicking and screaming with them. If we start to see a slight softening of the tone of the language now, then you could see uh, markets pricing in uh, lower terminal rates again. But I think the Fed's probably going to wait for one more data point on the jobs report, maybe one more data point on the inflation report before they start allowing that to happen and being a part of that transition. So like I say, overall, I think this was a really positive report, but I think the Fed is going to treat this cautiously because they knew they were very late to the game. But what that means is you could see a sudden pivot. We could be next month, it could be in six weeks' time, it could be in two months, but I think we're going to see a very sudden pivot from the central bank where they are going to almost change tack quite quickly and they're going to say, well, actually, do you know what? I think we're doing a really good job here and maybe now it's time to take our foot off the brake. But we have been here before, Craig. Markets do tend to react to these uh, pieces of data one by one. One minute we're thinking, oh, well, maybe rates are going to start to pull back or suddenly they're going to go up again. I think many people will be quite wary just to take uh, these numbers and make the assumption that we've uh, almost hit the terminal rate. Maybe, but at the same time, we have now seen a few numbers. I I keep saying... The chances are that this is going to be a bumpy road back to 2%. So whereas the line towards peak inflation felt quite linear in that we were consistently getting higher inflation readings and above market expectations up until we peaked late last year, the road back to 2% I think is going to be filled with a lot more potholes. So I do think there are going to be setbacks along the way and therefore that is going to lend itself to jittery markets, some periods of very much risk on, some periods of a little bit risk off. But right now, we have seen three of the last four, say, reports have been really positive. And I think what the Fed wants to build, it wants to build itself a case where they can say, do you know what, four out of the last six, five out of the last six reports have been positive rather than three out of the last three or two of the last two. And I think that's going to give them the base of saying, do you know what, we know there's going to be jitters in the data. We know it's not going to be smooth sailing, but we can see enough positive reports here in that last six that convinces us that we are on the right track. We've got the lag effect from previous measures. We don't want to just cause unnecessary harm for the economy and we think interest rates are significantly tight now to get us to where we want to be and what's interesting with the market is they're not just pricing in a terminal right now slightly below five percent and i mean slightly below i mean 4.95 which is give or take pretty much five but they're also pricing in a, a rate at the end of the year of around 4.5 percent what that means is the markets are now starting to move from pricing in 
higher than 5% terminal rates, which is going to remain for a period of time, to pricing it, and this isn't just today, of course, this is over the last few weeks, to pricing in a peak rate, a terminal rate around 5% and rate cuts by the end of the year. That's a big shift from where we were a month ago. And that's reflected in the latest uh, currency numbers, the US dollar falling nearly 1% against the pound today, which is just above 120. Perhaps some of this has also got to do with the fact that we're seeing global energy prices looking like they're going to come down over the next uh, few months, particularly gas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is part of the thing that helps the headline inflation narrative as well. In fact, it's amazing to think that gas prices now in Europe are now at pre-war levels, given how high they actually went for a period of time. And the reason for that is mainly twofold. One, it's the efforts that were made by countries across Europe to fill their storage levels near to capacity and they got to around 95% if I'm not mistaken. Now that has dipped slightly over the winter but that's perfectly normal. We always see gas levels uh, dip over the course of the winter because uh, people are using heating more for example and that therefore uses more gas. So we have seen that actually come down. Uh, According to Reuters it's now at 83.5% so that's actually really still extremely high for this time of year and actually rising and that alludes itself to the other thing as well. Weather. We had a a warmer start to the kind of autumn winter period we had that cold snap in the middle which got people a bit concerned when uh when temperatures dropped and we expected that we were going to see gas levels fall but now we've started to see it warm up again and you can see that gas levels are now actually around 83 percent so that's a real big positive in terms of its energy security but it's really important for prices as well because it means that the price of gas in europe is now trading at around 20 percent of the peak back in the third quarter of last year. So that's an enormous decline that we've actually seen in the price gas. That is going to be volatile this year, don't get me wrong. Europe is still getting around 20% of the gas from Russia that it was getting pre the invasion. So around they've lost around 80% of the gas they were getting from Russia, replaced it with supplies from elsewhere. But if Russia was to suddenly cut that off now, then you could potentially see these gas levels, storage levels start to decline and some of that panic would return. But this is a really positive position Europe now finds itself in compared to where it could have been if things had not gone its way. We've had the latest uh, Eurozone figures today and they are falling faster than expected. Having said that, we haven't reached the terminal rate of interest rates yet. I think there's a few things to point out here. One is that the ECB was much later to the party, so interest rates in Europe are still way lower than they are elsewhere. So there is still a way to go for that purpose alone. Number two, inflation fell from 10.1% to 9.2%. That's a, that's a really good move in the space of one month, but that's still almost five times their target. So again, still a long way to go. And number three, what drove that is what we were just talking about now. It's the decline in energy prices that's the biggest contributor to that drop, and therefore it could drop further but underlying core inflation rose from 5% to 5.2%. And that's effectively what the central bank is really fighting here. The central bank can't control the price of natural gas. It can't control the price of oil, but it can control underlying prices and price growth within the economy, uh, which is driven by demand. That's still rising. So there is still some way to go. They are very much behind the curve. I do still think we're going to see a couple of 50 base point rate hikes from the ECB over the course of the next couple of months, the next meeting of which is just under 
a month away. And then we may see inflation data is starting to come down. And we may start to see signs that they can start to ease off the break themselves. But as always in this situation, two months is a long time. So you don't really want to be making these kind of predictions too far ahead. But what the, one thing the inflation data does do today is it shows us that the price of energy is a massive contributor to the levels of inflation that we are seeing. But the problem is it does lead to second round effects. And that's what the ECB now has to get a grip of. Of course, it's the first full week of the year. Next week, uh, we've had four-day working week here in the UK. But what should we look out for over the next few days? Yeah, it's been quite a lively week as well, actually, considering it is that first week back. I mean, next week, we'll obviously go through the the week ahead on Monday's podcast. But if I had to pick one thing, you really can't look beyond the US inflation data on Thursday. That's the thing that traders are now going to be looking for to back up that jobs report, show that, you know what, we're making some serious progress here. We've now had a couple of encouraging jobs reports and also inflation's come well off its highs. US inflation actually peaked in the summer at 9.1%. The last inflation reading uh, last month, which covered November, was 7.1%, and it's expected to fall to 7 uh, next week. If we get something starting with a 6, I think we'll see some very happy people in the markets. Craig, have a great weekend and we'll speak to you on Monday. You too. Thanks a lot. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.